Welcome back to CFO Weekly, where we're talking with financial leaders about how to build efficiency in their teams, create time for strategy, and ultimately get results with your host, Megan Weiss. Let's jump right in. Today, my guest is Yusuf Mula, a senior risk and assurance consultant with more than two decades of experience. Yusuf has worked in top-tier professional services firms in Australia, the UK, and South Africa. He is a certified internal auditor and has a background in business intelligence, financial systems, and information technology. Yusuf helps performance auditors and internal auditors confidently use data for more effective, better quality audits. He works closely with clients, both locally in Australia and around the world, supporting them through data-focused consulting, advice, delivery, and coaching. Yosef is the co-founder of Risk Insights, as well as co-host of The Assurance Show and co-author of The Data Confident Internal Auditor. Yosef is passionate about demystifying the use of data and communicating insights in plain language without losing meaning. Yosef is a global leader in data-focused assurance. Yosef, thank you so much for being on today's episode. Megan, thanks for having me. Yeah, today we're going to be discussing data and the role it plays in performance audits. I'm looking forward to learning about how we can use data for more effective, higher quality audits. But first, let's learn a little bit about you. Sure. Take us through your career journey and how it is that you ended up where you are today. Okay, so spent a bit of time at a university in South Africa. So South Africa is where I started my career. That's where I grew up mm-hmm. in Johannesburg. Spent a bit of time at the university there. University of the Fitfartist Front in what was then the business intelligence team and quite enjoyed sort of working with data there. I then moved on to Deloitte and spent just over a decade with Deloitte in various roles across both external audit and internal audit and a bit of security and, and IT controls and that sort of those sorts of areas. Once while I was at Deloitte, obviously a lot of the audit work back in the early two thousands was either quite manual or didn't involve a lot of the use of data uh, back then. And there was an opportunity to use data. I um, sort of found found myself in a situation where the audit manager that I was working for quite early on was quite interested in the use of data and exposed me to it. So I had really early on exposure in how data can be used for audits, external audits at that time, and then slowly internal audits. I spent about 10 years with Deloitte, a few years with KPMG in between in Australia. And then about five years ago, it's almost six now, about six years ago, that colleague of mine from KPMG and I decided to branch out on our own and start our own little practice. And we've been doing that um, since. So mainly professional services. And now for the last six years, sort of working for myself. And out of curiosity, when you say data, what kind of data are we talking about and where is it coming from? All sorts. <laughs> so both inside the organizations that we work with, and we work with both public sector organizations and corporates, but also open data, particularly for public sector. Open data is quite important, but it's also useful for corporates as well. So we're talking about all sorts of uh, mapping data and population data and the like that you can get from the open domain. But primarily it would be data inside our sort of client organizations. So financial data and non-financial data. A lot of the time, the work that we do audit-wise and this sort of internal audit and performance audit is around citizen data or customer data, because obviously that's the focus of, or should be, it is or should be the focus of most organizations. 
a lot of financial data involved as well for various reasons, sometimes for the actual analysis itself, sometimes to look at things like fraud, and sometimes to triangulate the other data that we have, so a reconciliation point. So financial data is almost always involved for either directly in the analysis or in order to do some form of reconciliation of the other data that we're looking at. Okay. And before we move on and talk about your current organization, what, what inspired you to branch out on your own? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, there were several things. I mean, a few of them being that, I guess, not, I wouldn't say that it was one of the few options that I had, because there's obviously lots of options coming out of a place like Deloitte. Yeah. But I just found in the last few years of working that I wanted to do something that didn't have the constraints of a very, very large organization. Yeah. And so I said, why don't I just try doing this a small thing myself? And then let's see what happens. And maybe I'll get back into the, the usual workforce after that. And the problem is I enjoyed it so much that I never wanted to go back. <laughs> but working for a quarter million strong organization is quite, can be quite constraining, constricting. Yeah. Um, and so that, yeah, that was one of the main reasons for jumping out. Also, you don't, I really enjoyed my time at Deloitte. I think I, you know, I learned a lot. Well, I worked there too. I, I loved it as an organization, but yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. But you do, like it is, a, it's a very big ship. Um, yes. And what we are talking about is there's a different type and level of value that you can provide to your clients as a small organization. Let's just say that. Yeah, agree. And actually, that was eventually the reason I left Accenture was just because it gotten so huge and it was just, you almost felt pigeonholed in, in an environment like that. That's right. Exactly. Right. So let's talk about your current organization, Risk Insights, and what it is that, that you guys do. Sure. So we're a consulting firm in Brisbane. We primarily work with public sector organizations and medium-sized corporates. We do have a few large corporates, but medium-sized corporates tend to be where we prefer to play. And we, what we provide is both a performance audit and internal audit support to those organizations. So performance audit is primarily in the public sector, and then internal audit would be across the public sector and corporates. And most of the work that we do involves the use of data. So what that means is we're either helping internal audit teams use data, or we're working with other C-suite execs or, or senior managers and helping them through particular types of audits that require heavy use of data. So recalculations and the like that they might want. So most of our work involves the use of data, although we do a little bit outside of that as well. And what are your proudest achievements since founding Risk Insights? Yeah, I think one of the one of the main obviously challenges we've had in the last little while was in 2020. And a lot of the big consulting firms were able to continue to operate. And in fact, a lot of them were very strong through that period. Because of the nature of the clients that we have, we had a reasonably slow 2020. And so being able to stick with it. You know, stick through that yeah. cycle and not, I guess we were, it was getting close, but we managed to sort of talk ourselves out of, <laughs> uh, out of exiting at the time. I think that's one of the, so coming through that cycle is potentially, it sounds really strange, but coming through that cycle feels like one of the greatest achievements we've had. We've had a, a 20, sort of 21, 22, that's been sort of knockout the park relative to all previous years. Yeah. And so we're really glad that we did. So it's, you know, I guess it's not about what we've 
delivered, but more about just sort of staying in business, which I believe is from speaking to a lot of people, if you're able to stay in like that for five years, and then hopefully it will be, uh, you're able to see other cycles through. Yeah. I mean, you guys have made it through two of the toughest years in history, I'm sure. That's right. Yeah. I'd never seen anything like this. Not even the GFC sort of hit as bad in certain areas. And I saw in your profile that you help people get over their fear of data. And what do you think most people are afraid of when it comes to data? So within the internal audit, so within the audit sphere, uh, generally internal and performance audit, I think there's been a lot of fear recently generated through just hype. So lots of jargon, lots of complex sounding concepts like machine learning and artificial intelligence that people that just want to use data in its most basic form can be a bit scared that they that this 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 mountain that they need to to climb over. And it isn't. It is really very simple for anybody to use data directly themselves. And so I think that there's the fear created by this unknown thing that unknown data thing that needs to be overcome for sure. Yeah, I think it's intimidating for a lot of people and just the sheer amount of data that's available these days. That's right, yeah. So why should CFOs support the use of audit uh, data for analytics? So for CFO, there's so many things that, that fall within directly within the financial accounting area, if you like, which is, I guess, traditional sort of CFO, traditional CFO uh, area. But of course, CFOs nowadays are involved in so much more across the organization that for a CFO, a lot of the CFOs that we speak to want to understand what's going on beyond just the sort of direct financial accounting area that they may, they may have uh, carriage over. Of course, with um, lots of financial planning and, and sort of forward analysis and helping with achieving strategy, they need to look beyond just the financial data that they have. A lot of times, individual departments or divisions will know their own data very well and analyze their own data very well. The internal audit team is uniquely placed because they have access to data across the organization. So they have unfettered access to data and information. And so what that means is that they are in a particular, particularly unique position to bring data together from several sources to provide that sort of holistic view. And for a CFO who's looking to understand what impacts there might be or what they need to understand from beyond what they would normally be used to within the financial domain, working with internal audit on some of those matters can help them achieve that objective. Of course, internal audit do look at where the controls are working well and whether they, you know, obviously often whether there is potential for fraud, but uh, obviously a CFO with integrity that's doing the work well won't really worry too much about that. And so if you are looking to explore beyond financial involving internal audit and helping them get the data that they need to do their job um, can help you as a CFO. And just taking a look at the data, I know like so many organizations out there are operating in disparate systems that don't really, they don't really talk to each other. And a lot of the processes are still manual. So how do you get trust in the data that you're using that that data has integrity? Yeah. So that's the so quality of data is, is quite an important thing. Sometimes there's data that you can't work with and you've got to find an alternate. But often, so because internal audit are quite are generally quite interested in ensuring that the evidence that they collect is, is of sound quality, 
there'll be a range of procedures that internal auditors follow. Some of them involve just exploring the data initially, making sure that they can see the full range of data that they have within a domain. Some of it involves reconciliation to other sources like financial statements and the like. So yes, it's important to ensure that you get quality data if you are looking to provide assurance of sorts. However, if it's purely about exploration, so if you want to try to understand what certain customers are saying or how certain customers are feeling, you may be able to get away with less than that. So the objective that you're looking at will define the objective of the work that you're doing, will drive what level of quality you need in the data set that you're getting. And you don't need, like you can still use data that isn't of very high quality, but that then you would use for a particular type of analysis to achieve a particular type of objective. In the most cases though, you do need to make sure that you're using data that has a level of integrity. As an auditor or as a CFO, if you coming across data that isn't of good quality, that's a good thing as well, because that's an opportunity for you to influence that part of the organization or that whoever controls or owns that system to improve that level of data. If you can find a, a good link to why you need better data, what sort of decision can't be reached or what sort of analysis can't be conducted because of that bad data, if you, if you come across it, you know, that's the opportunity to improve it. So regardless of what the situation is, whether you have good quality data and can't use it, or you have good quality data and can use it, or you have bad quality data and can't use it, or bad quality data and can use it, you know, <laughs> there's always going to be an outcome there for in terms of a decision or some sort of outcome for the business overall in terms of what needs to happen. And let's go back to something you said a few minutes ago about auditors and their access to information across departments. So you recently posted something on LinkedIn that said a successful audit finds solutions across departments. Like, what does this mean? What does that mean to you? Yeah. So if we think about the perspective of the board, senior management, customers, anybody outside the sort of direct line management that we would deal with day to day, they'll be aware of departmental boundaries and silos. But in most cases, they won't really care too much about it. They want to know the answer to the question that they have, or they want to know how something affects the organization overall. The traditional, what internal audit have traditionally focused on when trying to go across departments is in the sort of fraud area. And this is where they bring together data from payroll and procurement to see whether there's anybody on payroll that's also a vendor or anybody that's a vendor that happens to be related to somebody that's also on payroll. That's bringing data together from two completely separate sources. Sometimes they might both be in finance, but often your payroll area is in HR and your procurement area is in finance and the two don't talk to each other. So payroll people will know their data very well. Procurement people will know their data very well, but it's not very often that you would get people looking across the two. And so internal auditor are in that position to look across across both yeah. and come up with or understand what's going on more holistically than just within that sort of individual silo. So internal auditors should be looking across departments to try to, to understand what's going on. You know, there's lots of other examples like that, that sort of transactions area and customer complaints area or the customer complaints area and some sort of broker sales area. There's lots of different ways in which you can bring data together from multiple departments in order to get a view that everybody outside the organization or that leads the organization would automatically have 
but nobody inside would have potentially thought about. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, organizations are so siloed and everybody has their own data. And it's probably pretty rare that someone's looking across those silos at multiple sources of data. That's right. Yeah. So, yep. So what advice do you have for auditors looking to use data for more effective and higher quality audits? So the first thing is to use data. You'll be amazed at the number of auditors that are continuing to shy away from it as organizations or as teams, but also as individuals. I think it's important that really every auditor is able to do this directly themselves. In the old days, we'd have completely separate IT audit teams that would go and take care of technology controls and look at access control and the like. And that happens less and less nowadays. So often when you're doing an internal audit, the internal auditor would be aware of how access works and know who has access to what what area of the system or who has access to the system directly and test those sorts of things. Because we've slowly learned as internal auditors what technology controls mean and what access controls mean. Similarly, we need to all be able to at least have an understanding of how data works and a basic ability to analyze it. I think that a lot of data, a lot of auditors will be able to use a lot of the data to answer the questions that they have almost completely themselves. I think in some cases, you can get help externally to your team from other people within the organization or even outside. But if you're able to do that directly yourself, what that means is that you know exactly what the subject matter expert that is coming in is doing. So it's not a sort of black box, which helps you understand both what is needed and then interpret the results that come out of it and and understand the exceptions. So I think there's a there's a sort of utopian future that I see where all auditors are using data directly themselves uh, to up to a certain point and producing better results as a result. So do you think that auditors, do, they, do you think they need like specific data training? Is there, are there like books out there that you'd recommend or any way to advance an auditor's knowledge on, on how to use data to its fullest? Yeah, so, so I guess there have been a few over the years we didn't come across any in our travels that sort of broke down in a very simple way with an explanation, which is why we, we wrote our own. So I, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to say, you know, there's this one book that we wrote that is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so we did write our own that explores each of the different areas and approaches that, that auditors can take. There is training available, but what I found is that a lot of the uplift in skill anyway comes from training on the job. So learning, by example, taking an audit that you have and working through it and trying it out. Of course, there's lots of organizations like like ours that would help provide coaching and sort of training along the way. But just doing purely training that has no bearing on or no direct bearing on the individual audits that you're doing might be a little bit difficult. I think once you see data in your own audit, the audit that you're conducting, and you can relate it and see what the potential might be in terms of outcomes. It makes it a lot easier and a lot more exciting to then pick those skills up. So my recommendation is no matter who you're working with or how you're doing it, is try to learn on a live audit that you're doing and maybe think about sort of six months in advance or three months in advance, what audits do I have coming up that I could use data and then schedule in some support either internally or externally to help use data as part of that audit. Great advice. 
So as you look internally at, at Risk Insights, what's one of the biggest challenges that you and your team are facing in, let's say, the next quarter or two? Sounds like you guys are growing quite quickly at the moment. So We are. And as a non-accountant, I will say that our taxes are due next week. So to me, <laughs> that is the greatest challenge that we have, right? All of those T accounts that somebody has to reconcile. The biggest challenge is, is staffing. So somehow people seem to have just... Talent seems to have just disappeared around yeah. the world. I don't know where they've gone. I don't quite understand because nobody has been hiring a billion people. So they just seem to have either disappeared or they don't want to work anymore. Something's happened, right? Yeah. And I know everybody's feeling it. But yeah, there's so much demand for the sort of work that we do, but just so difficult to find people to train up and help us to execute that. So that definitely is the greatest challenge is just supply of talent. So we obviously, the alternative is going to universities and sort of raising that talent just ourselves, if you like, as opposed to getting experienced people in, which is so much more difficult to do because there's a, is a big gap between a university graduate and somebody that's, you know, been in the workforce for five or six years. Absolutely. Uh, but we just have to do that. There's not much, not much of an option because the talent pool is, is almost, almost zero at the moment. Yeah. I'm like you, I'm confounded as to like, where, where did everyone go? They seem to have retired early or I, I want to know their secrets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so they talk about the great resignation, right? So you resign and then what? And yeah. Then what? Are they they're sitting on the beach? <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they'll come back in a year or so. I don't know. I guess none of us know at this point, but it is a problem. You're definitely not the first person to have mentioned the staffing as, you know, their greatest concern. Yep. So just one more question about, so what tools or technologies are you guys using internally that's helping to make your lives easier? Right. So I'm happy to mention specifics because I think it's always useful to know names. Yeah, um, I, I agree. The thing that we use for data analysis is an open source tool called NIME. So that's K-N-I-M-E. It's out of a a in, started a university in Germany and it's grown since then to be one of the leading advanced analytics platforms available. It is open source, which means you can download the platform and use it unlimited for free. The only limitation, if you like, is that if you want the collaborative server version, it is the analytics platform that you download for free is something you can use locally on your laptop. You can even put it onto a server. You just don't have the collaboration features that would come with something bigger, which then you would go into a commercial arrangement for. So we use that. It is graphical user interface. So it's a sort of low code, no code type interface. Anybody really can pick it up. It is a sort of Swiss army knife and we love it. You can go all the way from basic ingestion of data and transformation of data all the way to sort of complex advanced machine learning routines. So that's NIME. That's probably about 80% of the work that we do happens in there. And then for the visualization nowadays, we, we used to use Tableau for a mm -hmm. long time, which is still a fantastic product. But nowadays we use Power BI because frankly, it's just so much cheaper and it's so much easier to use, particularly for anybody that comes from a background with Microsoft products like Excel, because Power BI has a lot. There's a lot of, I think Power BI was, grew up from Excel. So Power BI, Power, sort of. Excel, Power Pivot, Power BI. So there's a good relationship there. And so when you talk to anybody in the finance area, they know Excel, of course, <laughs> we love Excel. And so learning something like Power BI is really easy. So that's what we use for sort of external 
for our for both our internal and external data uh, data work, then that's probably about ninety percent of our day. And lastly, as the director of risk insights, what's keeping you up at night, either for your own organization or maybe for the clients that you guys are serving? So the main thing that always concerns when you're dealing with lots of data, particularly client data, is security. Yeah. And so with the way in which we're working nowadays, it is really important to make sure that we are completely secure. Most of the work that we do would be on client systems. So not taking any data outside of the, of the organization. Sometimes though, we are required to take the data and, and put it into our own, own environment. Um, so obviously we, we need to have pretty strict protocols and controls around security. But there's always, there's always risk, right? Regardless of what you do, the only way to not have any risk is to not do anything. And so yeah. the only way to not have any, any cyber risk is to be completely blocked off from the internet, which nobody really can do anymore. So there's always a risk. It is something that we spend a lot of time ensuring that we are on top of or at least not below. And that's, uh, that's an ongoing battle for both us and our clients. Yeah, it's, it's getting so sophisticated and it's relentless these days. It's, uh, yeah, a risk for everyone. That's exactly right. I mean, you've got some, we've seen some, some cyber attacks where it wasn't about money and it wasn't about getting access to data. It was just because they could. Yeah, just for fun. Just for fun. So you think about, I mean, that's the equivalent of somebody's holding a, an automatic machine gun in the street and just shooting for fun. I just want to do it. I don't want to kill anybody, but I just like shooting this thing in open air. And that's, it feels very similar when you see these sorts of guys that are having fun in the basement somewhere and saying, oh, look, I could hack him and not understanding what the consequences are on the organization that you're affecting. Yeah, that's for sure. And yeah, people just flexing their muscles in some way. That's right, yeah. Yosef, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you, mate. Well. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, I really enjoyed speaking with you and hearing about your experiences and the resulting insights. And I wish you and Risk Insights all the best. And to our listeners, please tune in next week. And until then, take care of yourselves. If you're ready to boost efficiency and streamline your accounting processes at significant cost savings, it's time to talk with Personiv. Their people-powered solutions have transformed the delivery of back office tasks and general accounting functions for decades, partnering with clients to provide everything from accounts payable to payroll services. See what Personiv can do for you by visiting personiv.com. You've been listening to CFO Weekly presented by Personiv. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out personiv.com. Thanks for listening.